As part of Ferrari Fridays, William Ross from the Exotic Car Marketplace will be discussing all things Ferrari and interviewing people that live and breathe the Ferrari brand. Topics range from road cars to racing, drivers to owners, as well as auctions, private sales, and trends in the collector market. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. It's been way too long since I've uh, posted something, hasn't it? So, but try to uh, scale back some of the other things that are going on because I just keep forgetting and just getting out here to do this. And I really enjoy doing this. I mean, I know that I don't know how well the sound quality is. I don't know how much you guys really, you know, everyone, I got some downloads, so wait, why not? So I guess I'll just keep doing it. So I've got a plan together, you know, going into this new year. I know it's almost February, but like I said, I kind of uh, got a plan of attack for all the things I got to do and what I want to do. And I want to really kind of attack the YouTube channel in regards to stuff. So, uh, and, you know, acquire some things for the channel, but also, you know, kind of maybe grow this podcast some more and expand it to some other topics and hopefully get some guests on and whatnot. So I'm going to do what I can. But again, I'm no audiophile. I'm no expert at doing this kind of stuff. So God only knows how it'll turn out. But hey, just bear with me. And as we grow, hopefully it'll get better. And maybe I can get some people that actually know what they're doing and and help me out on this because I try to stick with what I know. And that's cars. You know, and that's talking about cars, driving cars, selling cars, doing everything like that. So that's what I'm good at. Computer technology stuff, not so much. I guess it could be my ADD. I just don't have the patience for it. Eh, or who knows? Maybe I just get bored too easily. Again, the ADD. So anyways, but hey, welcome back to the podcast. I'm William, and I really appreciate you guys listening. So today's topic, as you probably saw from the title, we're going to discuss something that's kind of taking off recently in the past, I'd say, you know, year, year and a half, maybe two years, but it's really, really gaining momentum. And that's taking the Ferrari, say a 360, an F430, now even a 599, even doing the 430 Scuds, taking the F1 transmission cars and tr making them into a six-speed manual. Now, there's an outfit down in Texas, uh, EAG um, that actually has performed this. Now, they have a very similar name to a very, very well-known retail BMW dealer down in Cincinnati, Ohio that deals in, you know, uh, used BMWs, but they deal in M3s, M5s, whatnot, all the, all the high-end stuff, and they get some gorgeous cars. They're extremely expensive, but they get the best of the best of the best. And if you're looking for something along those lines, if you're looking for an E46 M3 or an E36 M3 or the E39 M5, those are the guys to see. That's also EAG. But anyways, so different outfit, different company down in Texas. So they've been around for a long time and they, you know, doing a lot of work on cars and what have you. And they, I think it took them a couple years to really kind of perfect the package that they utilize to do this uh, transformation on these cars. Now, you know, they really fine-tuned it and honed it, so, I mean, it's it's spot on. Now, I don't know how familiar all you guys are with how that transmission works, but it's actually a cable-operated system, even from the factory. It's cable-actuated. So it's not like there's hydraulics involved, and that's, sort of, I guess, you know, running lines and that kind of stuff, or, you know, it's you know mechanical, so to speak. So... They actually had designed and engineered a whole system to replace the F1 transmission. 
Now, I don't know if you've gone online or how much you do in your free time, what have you, or killing some time at work at your desk. You know, but uh, I'm always, um, you know, in my free time or just sitting around, I'll be on Bring a Trailer. Every day I'm on Bring a Trailer a couple times a day. I'll go on Cars and Bids and, you know, not so much eBay because, you know, I'm just not a big fan of eBay looking at cars on there because they just kind of, I think that's for the, the, uh, I want to say, not say lower end, but I don't say shady, but I don't know. Very rarely do you find anything good on eBay. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, but, uh, you know, and, and sometimes I'll snoop through Craigslist just to see if there's something kind of lurking around parts-wise, memorabilia-wise, whatnot. Um, but also, you know, Auto Tempest is fantastic. So I don't know if anyone out there has been utilizing Auto Tempest just to shop around and do some daydreaming and looking at cars, but Auto Tempest is fantastic. Because they actually search through basically every single used car site on the internet, pretty much. Um, you know, they're missing a few, but only one drawback, I guess, is it'd be nice if someone could create something along the lines for all the auction sites and for cars getting out, you know, uh, that are getting auctioned. So that would be really cool because then you could really kind of get a better grasp of what's really out there and what's for sale and following pricing and whatnot. Because in my business, I know I really got to kind of keep track of the trends and what's costing what and what's going up, what's going down. And so that's kind of that's kind of what led me to this topic because it, when they were first coming out or they started doing these, I guess getting more well known in regards to doing these uh, changes, tra uh, transformations on these cars. You know, there was some people that were crying foul, thinking, oh, no, why are you doing that and this and that? Then he had the other side, which, like me, uh, it's, to me, I think, hey, it's it's outstanding. You can't fault Ferrari for it because they're following the trend, and, and, you know, you look at what their sales numbers were, and everybody was wanting to buy that F1 transmission because that was the cool thing to get. That was the end thing. So I think it was something like, you know, on the 360s, it was almost like a 70-30 uh, split, 70% getting the F1 transmission and 30% getting trans, uh, you know, the six-speed manuals. It might be, I might be a little off. Then I know at the 430s, it increased even more to almost the 90-10 split, maybe like an 85-15 split. So, you'll find an F30s with the six-speed is pretty, pretty tough uh, from the factory. So EAG stepped in and came up with this kit. And I know originally it was, hey, you had to send your car down there. They would do it. I know it's like, you know, if you're 360 or 430, whatever, you know, depending on which one it is, you know, obviously there's some incidental work in there depending on the shape your car's in. Uh, but you're probably looking to do the transformation about 40 to 50 grand. So it's not cheap. Um, but the kit that they engineered is supposed to be, I guess, even the tolerances are tighter. Um, the quality, everything that they did was, I guess, it's, even, it's better than the factory's version of it. So you're getting a very high quality. So the tolerance is tighter, everything's a lot tighter. It's a lot more, I guess, packaged better uh, in regards to this kit that they sell and install. Now, I've seen a few cars that have said, hey, it's utilizing the EAG kit, but it's, the installation was done by XYZ, a uh, company wherever they were at. So obviously you can buy that kit. And I think the kit just buying itself is like 18, 20 grand, something like that. Maybe a little less, maybe a little more, somewhere around there. But you look at labor and everything like that. So labor, you're looking at 20, 30 grand to do it. Because there's a lot involved. You know, you got a lot of pieces. You got to get your gear selected and whatnot. But the, uh, one of the big things that they perfected. Now, I don't know how they do this in regards to 
the cars that are getting done uh, outside of EAG that they're just selling the kids to because the biggest hurdle that they had to overcome, I mean, you could make the parts, get the cables and like that. Hey, that's just a lot of CNC machining work, uh, engineering, and just, you know, doing a lot of measurements and whatnot and getting that done. And, hey, you got a good CNC guy. Hey, they can whip this stuff out. You know, if you get your own CNC machine, you can just sit there and do part, part. Hey, try this. Oh, no, do this. Take this off. Hey, uh, you know. Um, you know, so you can handle it pretty easily. But the biggest hurdle when they were trying to perfect this was the ECU. Now, getting into that and, you know, getting plugging yourself in and getting the computer itself to recognize, hey, the, you know, hey, this is we're going from the F1 transmission, automated transmission to a six speed manual. Now, they're two completely different programming. There's. Did that sound right? Sorry, I apologize if that came out right. So I'm, I'm, I'm you know, thinking as I talk here. But anyways, so the, each car, each version of it has a different program to it on how this thing reacts to your shifts. So like when you shift, you know, the revs, everything like that. So, and also on the F1s, it's got the little digital readout, you know, the gears, what gear you're in, everything like that, which the manuals don't. So that just becomes a blank space in essence. But, um, they have to go in there and reprogram this car to basically think it's a you no know, hey it's a six-speed manual car now so that took a lot of work to do it because one thing is just about with your revs and as you know you, you're holding a gear everything like that you know because sometimes in that f1 transmission you're holding the gear it'll shift itself you know everything like that because the computer's thinking hey it needs to shift so they had to go through and reprogram the whole ecu to be able to handle this so which it's a feat in itself. So again, I don't know if that's something that they just hey here's time to you download it, whatever. Here's a time to USB. I don't know how they would do it for a, an outfit outside of EAG itself for doing that. But you have to reprogram the entire system. Now, if it was up to me, I would have EAG do it. I mean, I, I guess hey, if you got a really good shop and trust it, but hey, guys, I mean that's up to you. But I mean, I would probably my have my druthers I'd have EAG do my conversion if I had an F1 transmission car um, but obviously I think as it gets more and more common in doing it you know like you said it's not too technical to do the swap it's just getting the right people that know what they're doing and I think the biggest thing is having the guy that knows how to do the programming for the car so once they get that situated then hey you're in business to do it but anyways Getting back to the main topic in regards to these cars now, so the, like the past six seven months, I've been kind of looking around at um, you know four thirties and three sixties, and you know it's just been popping up more and more and more that you're seeing these cars that have had a manual swap done to them, and basically a majority, almost all of them have has been done by EAG because they're pretty much the only, I would say the only game in town, but that's the one everyone utilizes because they basically have perfected it. Now they and perfected to outstandingly, especially for the 360s and 430s. Now I know they started, you know, some have popped, started popping up doing the 430 Scud, which that would be a dream car to get for me. I would take one in a heartbeat. You know, everyone's thinking, oh God, that transmission's great. Why'd you buy it? Like, but you know, I'm old school. You know, I'm gonna be 53 in April. So I, I lean more towards having manual cars. It's just who I am. I just think it's more engaging. You know, and, and besides, if you're driving that car on just on your regular streets and roads, you know, it's not like you're, you know, unless you're doing track days consistently with this car and you don't really drive it on the street, you know, on the street, you're going to get a 
ton more. Yeah, I was going to use that as a swear word, but I don't want to get you know bleep things out. I think you're going to get a lot more engagement and enjoyment out of you got a six-speed manual because you're just involved with the driving experience. So I have no qualms with these conversions getting done. It's just getting them done properly. Now it's interesting though, pricing-wise, like I, I've seen a couple dealers. I had one dealer I actually spoke to him about, it, and they had the car priced at like two was it two twenty two hundred twenty thousand dollars for a conversion, and I've seen them all the way down at one hundred and thirty thousand, and these are on four thirties. So now three sixties with the manual conversion done, I've seen them anywhere from the one twenties little one teens range all the way up to 160 170 now here's the thing now they're gaining in value big time in regards to this so I'm, I'm gonna give you guys a little tidbit if you're if you're in a position in life you can go out and buy one I would definitely go buy a 360 six-speed manual from the factory or a 430 if you can get your hands on one yeah you're gonna pay a premium for them but tell you what as long as you maintain and do everything you're supposed to do and just hey you have you know no issues paying you know roughly you got a budget about just over your you know, lifespan of the car that you own it it'll average about say four to five grand a year you're gonna have to do on maintenance now some years it could be maybe 1500 bucks two grand just doing your general stuff oils and that kind of stuff but some years you're gonna have it worth maybe eight nine grand so it all balances out to about four or five grand a year you're probably looking at just a budget in regards to maintenance for those cars but like I said if you got the wherewithal and the means I would definitely go get your hands on one and enjoy it because uh, those things are going to just go up in value because it's, hey, again, they don't make any more, Ferrari ain't making any more manual transmission cars. But now I guess here's where the <clears throat> argument comes into those. Okay, what's what's the value going to maintain or keep? Is it going to increase, decrease, or, or what on a car that's had a six-speed conversion? Now, I, I know I'm pretty sure that, you know, you can get all, you'll get all the parts back and everything like that for the, from the conversion. So, hey, if you're, when you go to sell the car and move it on, Hey, you could give those parts to the new owner and say, hey, if you ever want to switch it back. Because it's, it's pretty straightforward underneath. As I said, with the cable, the actuators, everything that goes on there. Again, though, you have to reprogram the ECU to be able to go back to it. So, I mean, I don't know why you'd want to. But I guess that's, hey, it's your car. You spent the money. You can do what the hell you want with it. But, you know, I, I would never switch it back. That's for sure. So, But here's kind of where I'm getting at a little bit also with this conversation is, I'm I'm in the process of potentially you know, looking at a 430, and I'm debating whether to go with a factory six-speed or one with the swap. Now, if I go with the swap, I can save a decent amount of money. I could probably save 50, 100 grand. I bet somewhere in that range, you know, compared to a six-speed you know swap that would have been done on one. Um, roughly, you know, say mileage-wise, everything like that. You know, a lot of the ones I'm seeing, you know, you got them in the mid high teens into the mid low 20 range you know mileage wise um, and here's the thing mileage doesn't scare me hey if it's got all the service history and maintenance records to it i got no problem going after a higher higher mileage car you know hey everything's fine. it's a car it's meant to be driven as long as the service has been done it hey you got to do that on your other your regular car yeah it might be not as temperamental um but you know you still got to do general maintenance everything on your just regular camry forward or whatever um so that doesn't scare me in regards to having high mileage as long as the you know uh, history is there you know and a very complete history um 360s though as everyone knows out there that knows their ferraris is my only drawback is going towards a 360 is they got the belts 
and those belts have to be done about every 5,000 miles or every five years, something like that. Um, I think it's 5,000 miles. I know it's every five years at a minimum. Um, and depending on where you go, now here's the thing with those. I know I'm getting a little sidetracked here, but normally you go, you're going to go somewhere that does the work, everything. A lot of times they can try and tell you it's any place will say it's an engine out to do it. It's not. If you have some place that knows what they're doing, like there's a place here by me that I know they do excellent work because they do it for some of these guys, these dealers around here. Uh, and I know Sam down at RSM. Oh, little plug for him. Check out RSM Motors. Sam's got, he's a kind of a boutique dealer. He's just got very minimal inventory, but the inventory he's got is phenomenal. But anyways, Sam sends his cars there. And I know on a belt change service, they only charge about three grand. You know, so normally people say, oh, it's like ten, twenty thousand dollars for this. Nah, it's not that bad. If you go to a shop that knows what they're doing, um, it won't be that bad. But that's another nice thing they'll go into the 430 because it's a different engine and they went to chains instead of the belt. So, I mean, you're still going to have your general maintenance issues, everything like that, but you're not going to have to do these belt changes all the time. So that's kind of part of the ownership. So, especially like the earlier 360s, they got, you know, hopefully that some of the issues have gotten fixed, especially the 99 2000 models. They had some issues with the uh, fuel rails and that kind of stuff. So, you know, kind of getting into a, a newer one would be more ideal. Um, but anyways, I'm leaning towards the 430 to try and hold one down. Now, again, like I said, I've seen something priced in regards to, hey, you know, 130, 140 range. But then I've seen them, obviously, all the way up 200 range. Now, it's like, okay... Let's be realistic. Now, the guy, the dealer that had the one that was in that one at uh, 220 range, I think it was 217 or something, he was asking, somewhere like that. Anyways, I had a conversation with him on the phone a couple times, and he's like, oh, I'm willing to deal. I mean, I want to, you know, so he wants to move it. And, you know, my, my thing is, okay, maybe 165, 170, because the car, had, I think it had 22,000 miles on something, great services or anything. It was a gorgeous color. Now, me personally, I hate tan interior. I cannot stand tan or light-colored interiors. I think that's the biggest mistake you can do is getting something, getting a light-colored interior car because it just shows dirt, grime, or anything. I just, it's just not me. I either prefer black or red. Now, I'll go into a dark, dark tan, like, you know, tobacco brown color. That looks sharp. Like I said, I hate light tan. I hate gray. Um, I just, I'm not a fan. So anyone I get is going to have to have a dark, you have to have a black or red interior uh, or that, you know, nice tobacco brown interior. But... My preference is black interior. But anyways, so I know that guy would deal on. So I, I'm like kind of like trying to see where the trend's going is are these swapped cars going to, I guess, become almost equal value of a factory one? Or are, is it just always going to be a, I guess, a 30% roughly to 40% uh, difference in price between a factory manual and... A swap car so I don't know you know like I said I want to get mine because I'm gonna drive it I'm gonna take it I'm gonna start using it hey for the YouTube channel and start you know going around because I want to do is obviously I want to go around to events I don't want to be one of those YouTube channels just hey they get in their car and they go let's go let's go let's go and I think you guys probably know what I'm talking about um, great channel though he's got some you know decent cars but I want to have actual content. I want to go check out like all these, you know, there's awesome museums. I'm in Ohio. I got tons of museums that are within a, you know, eight, 10 hour drive of me or jump on a plane. Um, I got these awesome events around here. Hey, in the wintertime, hey, just jump on a plane, go down south, whatever, rent a car, head out to Cali, 
do stuff like that. But I really want to start, I want to create content and kind of, uh, you know, take people along for the ride. But another little thing, you background on me, is I also wanted to be able to give back. I am a wish granter with Make-A-Wish, and I also volunteer a couple animal shelters here locally. So I really want to be able to utilize the channel and be able to you know, bring attention to these causes of mine and help, you know, help them raise money and do all those things. So anyways, I know it's a little sidebar, but anyways, so that's kind of what I want to get into, start using that kind of showcase and kind of do stuff along those lines to generate you know, momentum for those places and help, you know, help raise some money for them. But so I, I'm, I'm debating, you know, I came across uh, a Ford 30 that's available to factory six speed. I haven't spoken to him yet because I don't know what the price is yet on it, but it's a black, black car. So it's like right up my alley, um, you know, and I'm not one to do all these mods to it. I'll probably put an exhaust on it. But other than that, I'm not one to do all that crazy crap to it. I'm not going to twin turbo it and all that stupid ass shit. Um, that's not me. I'm a purist. I mean, I love the sound of it. I want to make it, you know, make it sound beautiful. That's why I do the exhaust on it, do, do, do a tube on it. I got Corsa over here right down the street by me, probably about 15 minutes from my house, where I could partner up with them and get them on board and, hey, see if they can uh, do some something for it special. But I'm just curious to see where things are going. I'm curious what you guys' opinion at because it's, again, some people are going to go, oh, it's blasphemy, you know, you know how it came born from the factories, how you should keep it. Well... You know, it goes back to adage is like, well, they didn't make that many of the six-speed manufactured cars. There's only so many of them out there going around. So it's like, what do you do? So again, hey, you get the conversion done, you go by, you know, get the EAG route, or you know, hey, you just you pony up and you pay for one that was that way from the factory. But I think more and more you are going to find it that much more difficult to find the factory six speeds, or you're going to pay through the nose for them where the swaps become more viable and uh, an alternative choice just because one cost. You know, like I was saying before, the product that EAG have produced and the engineering quality that they've done, they perfected it. The tolerances are tighter than the factory. It's a lot more tight. It's, it, it feels tighter. Not saying that the factory, Ferrari factory six speeds are sloppy or anything like that. They're great, the little click, 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 click noise and, and EAG, hey, it all goes click, click, click. Um, noise on those but it's from my understanding and from everyone I've spoken to is just the engineering level is to the I mean to the moon it's it's tremendous and you know it's having the parts whatnot yeah so again you're gonna the little shift light thing you know what gear in won't work whatever but that so hey but you got your gear selector you got that chrome ball sticking out it's just beautiful and I know I, I not sure. I know on some of the early ones, EAG was was etching or wasn't etching their name into the uh, gate where the you know uh, lever sticks out of. Um, some have it, some don't. So I don't know how that operates. If you, you know if you can ask for it or not. Um, but hey, you can always go on my, uh, eBay, which I, I said I don't like. But you can go on the Ferrari chat. All these places they have parts and stuff. You can just find one and swap it out. I mean, it's just going to bolt down, bolt off because it's the same size. Because those cars, obviously, when they were built, they were kind of set up to go both ways. So you have everything there for it. So, and the clutch pedal hang, everything like that. So it's all there. So it's not like it's going to have to be something custom made. You can just swap out the factory parts for it if you want. So for aesthetic reasons, if you like. But anyways, that's my thoughts on that. I'm curious to see what you guys think. You know, hey, you know, put a message below. Shoot me an email, william at the ferrarimarketplace.com. Let me know your thoughts and see what you guys think. I'm really curious to know what everyone out there feels about these manual swap cars and um, their thoughts and 
and if hey if you have the the wherewithal you know would it bother you would you want a factory well, hey would the manual swap bother you so i'm curious to everyone thinks so shoot me an email let me know uh, i have a feeling we might talk about this some more but anyway guys hey i really appreciate you listening keep a lookout for the youtube channel there's already some stuff out there it's garage 65 uh, that's you know the words it's the word 60 then the number five so look up garage 65 trying to get that all tweaked out and, and they have some number after it now so I'm trying to get the number eliminated so you're supposed to be able to do that somehow some way but um, check it out um, like I said I'm gonna try and get this to more of a weekly format here on this stuff uh, get some other topics going you know talk about some old race stuff uh, talk about some of the new stuff coming out I know we already talked about the Puro saying and it's kind of growing on me so um, yeah, I have a lot more to talk to him. Like I said, I'm hoping to get some more, get some, get some more, get some guests maybe to come on and chit chat. Um, I just did a podcast with the other guys over at Garage Ride the other week with uh, Colleen Sheehan from Ferraris Online. That was a great one. It's a good time. Check out Garage Riot. Uh, they got some great content, uh, great podcasts on there, uh, and listen it up. So they got some good stuff too. So everything's posted up on the ExoticCarMarketplace.com website. Uh, there's links everywhere on Osteen too for all these, for mine, for Garage Ride, and we're adding more content on a regular basis. So check that out, and I will talk to you soon, guys. I appreciate it, and take care. Talk soon. This episode has been brought to you by Grand Touring Motorsports as part of our Motoring Podcast Network. For more episodes like this, tune in each week for more exciting and educational content from organizations like the Exotic Car Marketplace, the Motoring Historian, Brake Fix, and many others. If you'd like to support Grand Touring Motorsports and the Motoring Podcast Network, sign up for one of our many sponsorship tiers at www.patreon.com forward slash GT Motorsports. Please note that the content, opinions, and materials presented and expressed in this episode are those of its creator, and this episode has been published with their consent. If you have any inquiries about this program, please contact the creators of this episode via email or social media, as mentioned in the episode.